Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, amen. That's so wonderful just to be here. Praise God. It's been um, 14 years. This is the last time that I was here, and let me say that um, I was blessed the last time. I do remember my time here, and I expect I'm going to be blessed this time. And it's, uh, you know, just even sometimes you get a, a little idea of, of how the folks are just by your shaking of hands time, you know, how, how liberal people are. You know, some folks, you know, just go within their, their few steps to the right and a few steps to the Well, here everybody just literally went all over the place. And I love that. I can just tell that there's a real wonderful spirit here. And uh, so thank you very much, pastors, for allowing me to come. And, and uh, I appreciate the whole Anderson family. Amen. And uh, it's, it's going to be a wonderful time here. So, Well, I realize how things are when you travel. You know, people look you over for a little bit. Actually, this, this is, if, if, if you don't like my tie, it's the pastor's. I forgot to read my sheet, you know, and came with an open, open collar, so amen. I'm, uh, I'm borrowing his tie, but actually, I think it, I think it works really well, amen. <laughs> he had all shapes and sizes, and, you know, I mean, it was, it was great, and, you know, I can tell he's been at that for a while. <laughs> amen. Well, praise God, I have so many things to share, and, and uh, I just uh, trust you'll be open to, and I know you will, to healings taking place in the room even this morning. You know, when, it, when things first started to break out back in the days of uh, uh, healing school, prayer school and healing school, uh, it actually started without me touching anybody. Now, then, you know, somebody said, well, that was a move of God. Well, actually, if it was a move of God, he... He allowed me to go through three months where it was basically a hospice home. <laughs> Pretty much everybody died. I mean, three or four people that got healed those first three months, we had no idea how they got healed, so you can't duplicate that. And you don't want to say it's a hospice home or no one would have come. So, I mean, I laid hands on all hundreds of people and just kept saying next, 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 and just watch them, you know, lay hands on them. But we just had people taking them out. No, not really, but I mean, you know, it was... It was really bad. It was, nothing was happening. Um, but when we started preaching in a manner in which God could actually move, do you realize that in our lives how we see things, whether we see things like he does or whether we're off a little bit, has to do with how much liberty God has in your life. He's never stopped being the same God that split seas, that, 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 that caused nations to tremble, amen, that, that uh, brought provision in the lives of Jesus, that walked on the water. Come on, he's never stopped being that God. But we've stopped being that people. Amen. You know, I say it like this, God is who he is and he'll never be what he's not. So if you're not working with God, it doesn't seem like God's working with you. Well, that pretty well goes on you to change and come back to center than it does to ask him to come on over and bless whatever. And Amen? So uh, since I started out that way, let's pray so we're all in a good heart and good mind, all right? Father, I thank you for touching people in this service. 
from this very moment. And Lord, the song service has been wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for the hearts of these pastors and what they're doing here in this town, in this area. And Father, I just pray and am honored to say, would you help me to just build another block on top of it and be another blessing to these people? And so, Lord, take the words that we say, cause them to be exactly fitted to each heart as it ought to be. But, Lord, I know right now the presence of God starts to move, starts to bless, starts to touch people, even as we preach and as we minister in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you take your Bibles and go with me over to John, the Gospel of John, and let's go to the fifth chapter here. We're going to get to some things in a few moments Well, amen. During those 10 years of of prayer and healing school, I had seven years where I traveled with Brother Hagen in the Raymond Singers and Band. And of course, most of the time there is is spent, you know, singing and and, and worship, just like the worship team was up there this morning, provided an atmosphere. But there was so much more going on the Raymond Singers and Band because we were the crusade team. Back then we did, you know, we sold all the books, we set up everything, all the sound equipment. Um, we did all the ushering, you know, and uh, we trained the churches when we went in there because you'd have large crowds. Um, so we did everything. We counted the money at, at night. We were the, you know, we were the bankers and everything, you know, to keep everything straight. So we didn't get out of there till 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Sometimes it went, went longer, even later than that. And then, then, as young folks, you know, we didn't even think about it. We'd just go get a full meal at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> You know, I don't know how we, I don't know how it digested, but we slept, we got up, you know, at seven in the morning, seven thirty, got ready to do it all over again. So traveling with Brother Hagen, there were some really interesting and wonderful experiences, you know, that I had with him as far as healing was concerned. In fact, I remember my first when he, he looked at me one day, we were in Alvin, Texas, there was about 3,000 people there. He, and he was actually, he had a chair up there, he sat sideways so people could come up and he would sit them in the chair and take their feet out like this and see that their, their feet were, were short by an inch, couple inches, two or three inches, uh, half an inch, whatever, and he would command that leg to come out and it would come out. Well, he did about two people that way. And he turned to me and goes, well, Brother Jim, you can do this. And I turned around and looked to see who he was talking about. He goes, no, you. I said, me. He goes, yeah, you can do it. I said, I can. He said, you can. I said, all right, that's news to me. Amen. <laughs> so I, I, I went over there, just, you know, young, young kid, you know, just kind of looking at what he was doing. He said, now. And he brought this lady up. And I was just hoping, you know, it was going to be just a little tiny bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this lady here, she was off by a good two inches. And everybody could see it. He said, now command that to come out in Jesus' name. So I got down there on one knee like this, and I'm holding those legs. I said, I I command you to come out in Jesus' name. He slaps me on the shoulder and says, how'd we do? I said, we didn't do do very good. He said, what do you mean we didn't do very good? I said, it didn't budge. And this time he slaps me on the shoulder. He slapped me. He goes, I said, tell it to come out in Jesus' name. Well, see, my whole personality and, and, you know, makeup is... Of inspiration. If I'm inspired, I can get work done so fast. If I'm not, <laughs> who cares, right? <laughs> now, now, thank God I married someone, whether inspired or not, every single thing is perfect and in place. Amen. So we balance each other out really well. But when he slapped me and said, I said, tell it to come out. Well, that just inspired me. So now, you know, I, I was born and raised in New York, you know, so we, we were always loud anyhow, you know. So I just, I said, come out in the name of Jesus, just like that. That thing shot like this. It shot so far out, it went about three inches past the other one. He goes, how did we do? I said, we overcooked it. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, look. I said, it shot out about three inches past. And then all of a sudden, I watched that leg shake, and it went like this right back perfect. I said, wait, wait, wait. 
because he never, he didn't think it was going to happen like this, you know. And it went right back perfect. I said, I tugged on it. I said, it's just perfect. It's just right. I don't know if he ever wanted to use me again, you know. It's <laughs> my first experience. Well, when you get to healing school and you start ministering, all of a sudden you don't have him to say, hey, what do I do? And most of the people are there thinking that when they're going to show up, they're going to see him. And then they see this blonde-haired kid, and they're wondering, oh, my goodness, who in the world's he? Brother Hagin used to do that to me on the road all the time. We'd be walking him back to the back room. Everything would be over. And all of a sudden, someone would come out of the, the area where they were getting saved or filled with the Holy Ghost or rededicating their lives to the Lord. They didn't get a chance to have hands laid on them. And they'd come up and pull on them and say, Brother Hagin, can you please lay hands on me? Sometimes there are two or three. Well, he'd look at him, and he's, he's almost to the door. He's done, you know. He'd look at him and say, well, Jim's got the same anointing on him that I do. He said, have him pray for him. I'd turn around to look at him, and just every single time, they'd look at me and they'd go, like, who are you, you know? And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, every single time that would happen, because in my mind I'm thinking, thanks a lot, Brother Hagen, you know. Every single time that happened, it was like, it was like torches. The power of God be in my hands. Like fire be in my hands every single time. In other words, I, I didn't feel anything. I'm just, I'm being looked at like I'm nobody. And the moment I said, now God's going to touch. And the moment I would say anything toward them about God touching them, just be like, Poof. all of a sudden somebody turned up the heat and God's presence would be there. Pretty amazing. Well, these experiences, then you got to actually do on your own when you're in healing school. And that's when all of a sudden the rubber meets the road. And when you find out you're not doing a good job, the only thing you can do, and I'll just be honest with you, and this will fit into what we're saying here this morning, and then I'll just run real quickly with some thoughts. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. I didn't know I prayed a good prayer, but I got on my face and said, Lord, I'm the reason why we're not seeing any change. If you'll change me, we can change this place. And immediately, God's grace began to give me insight, information, wisdom, and then the backbone to carry it out. And we began to immediately begin to see God's presence work. So I'm just sharing that with you to let you know, praise God, over all these years, we've experimented on people left and right. Hey, Ben. And, and God is moving in this place this morning, whether you can feel it or not, if you'll just dare to believe it. Amen. We'll see him do some real wonderful things. So let's just run real quickly here to some thoughts. Jesus explained himself at length and said, this is the Message Bible of John 5, 19 and 20. Jesus explained himself at length and said, I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in on everything he is doing. I want you to take notice of the way that it, that it speaks. This. I'm going to go to the Amplified next and read the same passage. But I want you to see here, the son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. Now, when Jesus says things like this, this is a key. This is something to really take notice of. In other words, what, what would it seem to indicate but the things that we do in life that are not in harmony with the things of God, the way that God thinks. Now, when God says over there in Isaiah chapter 55, my thoughts are above your thoughts, my ways are beyond your ways. He's not sticking his thumbs on his lapel and saying, na 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 Come on. He's not trying to make us feel bad, like, yeah, that's right, we just don't get it. He's trying to say, stop trying to invent your own ways. I've got a way for you. Instead of trying to develop your own thoughts, I have a 
a system that works perfectly. He's trying to get us to then become dependent upon him. Now you remember in the garden, man was 100% dependent upon God. There was complete harmony. It's Adam's choice with the apple that caused everything to go sideways. Now remember, when God created man, man was created as a spirit being. He had flesh as a spirit being that was connected to God. The moment he sinned, he turned into a flesh being connected with the world. How do you know that? Well, when's the first time that we see in the scriptures where Adam and Eve recognized that they had a physical body? And the answer is after they sinned. So what does that seem to indicate? But before they sinned, they were very, very aware of God. And the one thing that they weren't necessarily aware of because they didn't have to be aware of was their body. Everything about this world, the way that man lives this world, is all about you and your body and how your body is connected to the world. That's Adam's dilemma. And people are still living in Adam's dilemma. Do you know Jesus came as the last Adam? Why Why do you think he didn't come as the second Adam? Because God wasn't trying to extend the family of Adams. The Adams family went really, really south. There were things and it's and God had to get rid of the family. So he sent the last of the Adams. And when the last of the Adams went to hell, he dragged the whole family with him. And when he came out of hell, he didn't come out of hell as a new and improved Adam. He came out of hell as the resurrected and the glorified Christ. That as many as would receive him to them, God gives power to become sons of God. He changed the whole parameter, praise the Lord. We're now a brand new creation. Well, that really means something. So, we put this in retrospect to what Jesus is talking about here. Notice what he says. He doesn't do anything unless he sees his father do it. You want to see results in your life, you've got to go back to the way that God sees it. Now, I mean, we, we've, we may want to you know, shout and praise the Lord about that, but at the same time, how do you implement that in your life? Come on, we're surrounded constantly. With a barrage of nothing but flesh and world. Let me go as far as to say this. When God created man, he created man to be connected. So if you're not hearing the voice of God, what voice are you hearing? If you're not experiencing his presence, then what presence are you experiencing? Because you are connected to something. And if it's not God, you're connected to something else. In other words, something has your affections, something has your thoughts, something has your emotions, something is is giving you passion. And if you're not experiencing answers to prayer, then it can't be the right thing. It's like an old-fashioned balance scale. It's either one way or the other. In our modern day time, we we love the idea of messing with that and putting our own spin on it, interpretation that, hey, you can just kind of do both at the same time. No, you can't do both at the same time. And this is part of what's happening in our society. Come on, let me ask you a simple question. If you were to look at our society today, what's one thing that's happening and it's happening at lightning speed? People are erasing every line of definition that they can find on purpose to do what? 
to make sure that no one can call a spade a spade. Well, I think it's a spade. Well, no, it's a heart. I think it's, I, I, I think it's a, you know, I mean, if you're looking at a, a deck of cards. No one can call a spade a spade. No one has the right to say this is right and this is wrong. Why? Because people don't want accountability. They don't want to be responsible for the things that they choose. Come on, Brother Hagin said years ago, if you don't like where you're at today, go back to checking up on what you've been saying and what you've been believing because you created it yourself. And people today will say, well, no, I really didn't. No, yes, you really did. You really did. It's what you believe in your heart. So again, let's look at the Amplified to the same passage. And I love what this says. It says, so Jesus answered them and said, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the son is able to do nothing of himself of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way. The father dearly loves the son and discloses or shows him everything that he himself does. And he will disclose disclose to him or let him see greater things yet than these so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. Notice what it says that the father discloses or shows him. And he'll show him even greater things. God wants to show Jesus, which means he wants to show you. God wants to show you things. And if you're not seeing things that God's showing you, it's very possible that, number one, you may not be aware that he's trying to show you something, which is a lack of recognition. Or it's very possible that while he's showing you something, you're looking at something else. Come on, what do we know? And Come on, you can always parallel things. You look at the world right now and everybody's so distracted. Statistically, they say Americans have to change their point of view or their perspective or their thought pattern six times in every minute. Six to ten times a minute. Which means no one can focus on any one thing for one minute. One minute. Come on, in the church world. In places where people actually do believe in prophesying and speaking out by the Spirit of God. If you were to say, come on, let's just all get quiet. People can't be quiet. Give them two minutes as well. Thus saith the Lord. And it's like, well, no, no, this was a time to be quiet. Quiet. Can you just be quiet? Like nothing? What, what am I going to do with my thoughts? <laughs> That's a really good question. No wonder why praying in other tongues is so important in the day we live. To get your mind to literally stop so that you can hear what God's saying in your heart. Yeah. We're not skilled at this, folks. To the contrary, we've developed a new skill. People walk around all the time. Hey, I can multitask. Well, good for you. You know, what do you, you want a hand clap or want a, want a badge, you know? No, I really, I can multitask. Which means you're probably not concentrating really on any one thing. Oh, no, no, no. I can get them all done. I know, but you're not learning how to concentrate on one. You're learning how to divide your attentions. And maybe you're good at doing that and still able to function and get things done. Come on, we all are living in a day where things are so busy, you have to be able to multitask somewhat. But when you bring that over to Christianity, you've just lost your answers to prayer. Because you're not focused on any one thing. And this is what the world is doing to us. It's helping us to lose our ability to make absolute choices. Ladies, you know, for a 
Christmas time, your husband says, hey, honey, I'm going to go buy some presents for the kids. And, and you're thinking, well, okay, well, what, what kind of things are you going to get? Well, I'm going to get, you know, the, I'm going to get them some clothes. And, and, and you ladies may be thinking, he can hardly dress himself. You know? <laughs> I mean, okay, honey, that's awesome, but just make sure you keep the, uh, what, who said that? Receipt. Why, now, why would you need to keep the receipt? Just in case you needed to do what? Exchange it. Take it back. So then let let me ask you a question. What kind of choice was that? How absolute was that? If you can always take it back. Doesn't have to be real absolute. Because you know when there's a sale rack and it says final sale, no returns. Well, (laughs) you just need to be what? You need to be pretty accurate, don't you? Got to have the right size. This is a little small. Well, I can't take it back. You got to wear it like that. No. Come on, you got to be accurate. you got to be more precise. What does that cause you to do? Be a little bit more careful about what you choose. Because you're going to be accountable to it. Look at what the world does. In so many different ways, and we could stand here until the sun comes up in the morning and talk about different ways in which the world causes you to spin. And you don't even realize you're spinning. And what does it do? Those are patterns of the way that you do life. And the way you do life is the way you'll do faith. And if your faith isn't working, it goes back to the way you do life. Now listen, listen, I've been around this for a long time and I've seen people that can quote a hundred more scriptures than I can. For every scripture I can quote, they can quote two or three, but still can't get an answer. What does it go back to? How they do life, their perspective, the choices they make, what really they're passionate about. Hey man, thank you for all that enthusiasm. (laughs) Folks, this is really good though. If we reveal things like this, what it does is it gives you the opportunity to choose. If you put yourself in a place where things aren't what they could be, guess what? You can actually make a choice to get out. The devil does not have power. Now, if he had power, you got yourself in there and he's struggling to pull against you. No, all he is is an influence. We need to stop giving him so much credit. Jesus took all power. He disabled him. Amen. He disarmed him. Either he did or he didn't. He said, well, there's so much evidence of the devil because people yield to his influence. In other words, the choices we make either allow you to find God and his power or continue to cause you to swim down the stream. And that stream's got a strong current of the world. Praise the Lord. Come on, these are some good thoughts here this morning. Amen. Not just because I'm saying them, they're good thoughts. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just look at some other things. John chapter 12 for just a second. I'm going to continue to work with you along some of these thoughts. Where are you going to? Well, I guess where I'm going to in this sermon this morning, and I'll let, I'll let the cat out of the bag, is what's the possibility that we could actually live like Jesus lived? Now, I have utmost respect for the Bible. If I was the devil and I was going to really try to put a lid on this whole thing called Christianity, first thing I'd do is get rid of that book. Wouldn't you? Because in that book, the Bible, are all kinds of stories of people that connected with God. And you could say it like this, if you didn't really know the lingo, and sometimes I think the lingo hurts us. 
Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God so good? And you're wondering, do you really believe all those things? Or are those the things that we just learned to say? Sometimes I think the lingo can get us in trouble because we sound like we're actually experiencing something, but we're not. That's why sometimes I really enjoy meeting people that that literally are not churched at all from just the standpoint. Sure, they may say some things that are, are not, you know, what we would say. But I love the innocence because it's not necessarily a facade where we've learned a particular way to look or a particular way to act or a particular way to talk. But we still don't have a connection that's actually making something happen. Is everybody still doing okay? Hey, man, I realize someone comes in new, you got to stare at them for a while, you know. You know, the suit, the hair, what shoes he's wearing, you know. But after a while, we got to kind of get down to business. Let's get to know one another. Amen. Amen. I'm here actually to say some things as fast as I can, because we only have so much time, that would make an impact. One of the things that I actually want to do is take away all of your options except Jesus. And that's the hardest part of what I do. You may not necessarily like me for that reason. He took away all my options. All I got left is Jesus. Okay. I guess I did my job. You know, we sing all kinds of songs. He's all I need. We sing all kinds of songs. But we very rarely believe the songs we sing. Huh? This is a part of society. Society dumbs us down until it's okay that we say what we say, just as long as you don't do it. The devil doesn't care if you read the Bible. He just doesn't want you to practice it. Which we could say, we've all gotten good at selling Jesus, just not living Jesus. That's what we want to get good at. It's actually experiencing him. So you say, where are you going today? In the next few moments, to try to help you to see, is it possible that we could live where we're hearing God's voice and we're seeing him show us things throughout the course of our day and we're flowing with that and we're actually obedient to it? Well, brother, why would you do that? You got the word of God. I know, but the word and the spirit agree. So as much word as you have, you also ought to have the Holy Ghost in your life just as much as what you know from the scriptures so that what the scriptures about someone else's relationship, about what someone had a revelation of what you should experience, now becomes your experience. Glory. I mean, I get excited seeing what Abraham did. The audacity of the man. On a three-day journey, figuring out that God said through covenant, a blood, he cannot lie. He said, my son would be the start of a nations of nations of people. And now he just asked me to put a knife in him and burn him on an altar. There's only one thing that can happen. He did his math and it wasn't on a calculator. We were talking about that earlier. People have lost the ability to think. You come to a counter and a young, young person is there that's so used to using their tablets and using their calculators and using their phones to figure out answers. And it's a simple addition or subtraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they okay, so what is that? And you're there going, it's $8.33. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. How'd you do that? I did it in my head. It's called math. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
the way we all did it years ago, and it worked just fine. And Abraham's doing his math, and he figured out, I'm going to kill him, and God's going to raise him up. That's the only way it can be. If I'm in this covenant, I obey him. God always does what he says. This is the way it works. How do you know that's what he thought? Well, first of all, the scriptures tell us that he figured it out. He killed him in a figurative sense because he'd already figured out what was going on. The second reason why I know that is because the Bible says God had to say Abraham's name twice. If you have that knife in your hand and you're not sure God's going to do it, you're thinking, I sure hope God's there. I sure hope he's there. I sure hope he's there. And you're not really going to go like this. You're just kind of, just kind of like this. <laughs> and you go like this and you hear, eh, yeah, Lord. <laughs> Didn't even finish Abraham. Just, eh, that's all I needed. Yes, Lord, that was you. What'd you want? Abraham, come on, how would you yell if, if your son, his name is Abraham, and, and you can see something coming, and he's getting close to Abraham, and all of a sudden you see he doesn't pay attention, he's still going, Abraham! How do you think that second one came out? Abraham, oh, Abraham. No, no, why? He was literally going to do it. Come on, I can really get excited about seeing his faith. But not until I use mine do I actually have some type of continuity to the scriptures. It's only when I do something with those scriptures that it becomes mine. What's the possibility that I could hear his voice? I could see him show me things. Doesn't he want to show me things just like he wanted to show Jesus things? Absolutely. Maybe if I opened up my eyes, opened up my mind to the idea... Maybe more would take place. Look at what it says over here in John chapter 12. Verse 47 in the message Bible says, If anyone hears what I'm saying and doesn't take it seriously, I don't reject him. I didn't come to reject the world. I came to save the world. But you need to know that whoever puts me off, refusing to take it in, in what I'm saying is willfully choosing rejection. The word, the word made flesh that I have spoken and that I am, that word and no other is the last word. I'm not making any of this up on my own. The father who sent me gave me the orders, told me what to say and how to say it. And I know exactly what his command produces, real and eternal life. That's all I have to say. What the father told me, I tell you now. Not only does this mean, of course, Jesus can look at, and he did use scriptures of the past as evidence to things that he was saying, but also... Notice how Jesus lived off of every word that the Father not only said to him, but even showed him how to say it. If you're going to think anything, why not think the scriptures? Come on, we've got reference to show us that Paul was into that, you know? Think on these wonderful things, things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. Amen? And on and on Paul goes for the sake of what? Renewing our mind. But is your mind open to the voice of God? Is your imagination open for God to show you? Man, I just saw myself doing this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. What about when you go by someone that's homeless? And just like this, you just saw yourself just put some, but you didn't do it. Why not? Is that $5, $10, $20 really mean that much to you? That if you could see something, you just act on it? See, grace is like 
like a, a throwing a pebble into a pond. You respond to one act of God's grace, it just begins a ripple effect. And all of a sudden, that person's life, and that person's life, and that person's life, and then your life, and things just begin to... Tr- all of a sudden, you find yourself having a day where you've got ten different testimonies of what God did just out of one thing that you did by obeying what you saw. Wow, that's pretty cool. I said, that's pretty cool. So let me ask you a question. If all of a sudden, I lost my wallet. Hey, honey, you see my... I lost my wallet. And we were, at, we were at some place, maybe at the mall or something. And now your mind's beginning to think, oh my goodness, uh, where was I? She says, no, where were you when you lost? I, I don't know. And someone says, I lost my phone. Where'd you leave your phone? I don't know. Where'd I leave my phone? And all of a sudden, everything stops for a moment. And there's all this energy in you. You were, you were going to take a nap, but you can't take a nap now. Because the adrenaline's pumping because I lost my wallet or I lost my phone. Two things that'll make us just kind of all of a sudden get into a panic attack. What if we were to look for the voice of God and God showing us things like we lost our wallet or like we lost our phone. You don't think you'd find him everywhere? Oh, let me ask you a simple question. Is God everywhere? Hmm. Then how in the world can you not see somebody that's everywhere? Unless you're not looking. Or you're looking at the wrong thing. You know, it's very interesting that God 101 FM was the only radio station in Garden of Eden. That's the reason why when the boys got out and they grew up to about 14, 15 years of age and one was tending the sheep and the other one was taking care of the vegetable garden, it's the reason why they could still hear the voice of God even though their spirit was not in harmony with God. Why? There was only one station. It took man a little bit of time to develop multiple stations and today there's millions and millions and millions of stations. Well, God 101 FM is still there. You just have to peel away the layers of all the things that we've gotten used to over all the generations where we've not learned to listen as though he actually is standing right there because he is. And we make him look like he doesn't like to talk, but he does. Mm -hmm. So maybe if we looked like we actually needed to hear and needed to see, you could see and you could hear all the time. Wow, how would that change our life? Hmm? See, God's fun. I mean, for the most part, you know, in most places, if you told a young, a young person, teenager, hey, we're going to have two weeks of revival. Well, what's a revival? Well, that's where we go to church for two weeks in a row, every single night. And he's thinking to himself, oh my God, I'm being punished. What do I do? <laughs> right? Because in what manner are we presenting God? As this is a religion to serve him or this is a joy to know him. Come on, the psalmist said in Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. That does not mean be still and have knowledge of me. That means be still and experience that I'm here. Wow, glory. Now you understand what David's talking about when he says, man, the word was like a honeycomb. It was sweeter than a honeycomb. Man, it was the joy of my life. It kept me up all night long. He's not talking about his parchments. He's talking about his strumming. On his harp, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon him. And he began to sing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he just begins to sing out this amazing song. And then he writes it down. And that night, he couldn't go to sleep. Because he knew he didn't say those words. They came from God. Wow. Hallelujah. See, God's saying some things right here in the service. In just a couple seconds, I'm going to demonstrate this. You'll see some people get healed right here. Why? Because he is just that real. 
And I want you to know that. John chapter 4, 23. I just want you to see this one passage just because of a couple thoughts in here. John 4, 23 and 24 in the Message Bible, it says, It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Now, folks, I like that. And I know people don't want any responsibility about the way that they live. And I'm not trying to just get on your, our cases about performance. But we all have a method we, we, we all have habits and routines and prescribed thought patterns according to years and years of just the way we've grown up. In other words, when this kind of a situation happens, this is what we do. And when this kind of situation happens, this is what we do. And we've gotten used to that. Even folks that aren't even as old as myself, that are just young adults, or even some of the teenagers have already developed an amazing amount of habits. Thought processes of how to do life. And for most people, scientifically, there's two ways for your brain to think. One, it's called survival mode. The other, creative mode. Survival mode is about how you do your future is based on your past experiences. In other words, survival mode is about memory. Well, last time this happened, this is what we did. And then you have something happen that you never have had happened before. And you don't really know what to do because you're always leaning on what you know of the past. The second way to function is out of creative. It means the dealing with the imagination. And the imagination, obviously, is as big as you can think. And, of course, we've got scriptures to help us with that. Now unto him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And so what is God asking us to do but to begin to expand the way that we think, to think bigger? Is there a possibility that God could do something beyond the scope of the world that we live in? Let me just say this, and this isn't mean, but it, but it does reveal things. People like a real tight corral. They like a life that has fences that, that don't have very big borders, real small. They like that. And the reason they like it is because at least they know every day when they get up, even if life isn't necessarily that good, they know what to expect. And they'd rather know what to expect than actually have to step beyond themselves to be in a world where something could happen good. But according to the negative of the world, the negativity of the world, most likely something bad's going to happen. Does that make sense? Breaking people out of habits and places and routines is very difficult. Come on, you've got roads you, you go on Monday through Friday. There are roads you travel on every single week. And those are the only roads you travel on. Certain times you go to the grocery store and no other time you go. Come on, I know what it's like at my home. My wife is very, 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 very structured. Six o'clock. You don't wonder whether dinner's ready at six o'clock. You are there five minutes before six because six o'clock it's ready. And it's warm and it's hot and she put time into it and she doesn't necessarily love to cook, but she loves the responsibility of cooking. So if she's going to do it, you better be there. And you also better eat. You don't like my food? No, I just like it just fine. What did, you, what did you eat before? She'll ask all the right questions. Nail your hide to the wall. Yeah, I had something at three o'clock. Well, there you go. You know, do you want me to cook? You're not want me to cook. Oh, no, honey, I remember what it was like when I cooked. I want you to cook. I really do. <laughs> do you understand? Are you seeing some things? I'm sharing just within a few moments here, but are you seeing some things about our patterns and how patterns are not necessarily conducive to flowing or working with God? Not if they're of the world and of the flesh. 
That's why it's really good to have a very tender and open heart. Let me share a secret with you. If you want to be right about anything, you've got to be willing to first be wrong. If you want to actually have something and maintain it, you've got to first be willing to lose it. And if you really want to experience life, you've got to be willing to die. Because if your commitment to life isn't that, that degree, you'll compromise. Everybody does it. And the reason why we don't say anything about compromise anymore is because everybody's doing it. And as long as everybody's doing it, it's just the normal way people do. Come on, think for just a second. I want to stretch you this morning so that we can get out of any type of area that we're in that causes us not to experience God. Look at the verse as it goes on. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. I was telling Pastor, I bought a little car at an auction. It's the first auction I ever went to. And we needed an, another car because all these girls we have, we have three girls. We didn't, we didn't get any boys. We, we, we confessed them and everything else and, and, and it never happened. <laughs> Even our third child. We, we weren't going to have a third. But we felt like we were supposed to. So we knew it was going to be a boy. So for nine months, everywhere I went, I got every church to repeat after me three times. Boy, boy, boy. And then I found out how much faith they had. We had a girl. (laughs) So we stopped because we figured we were going to populate the female race. So we went ahead and bought a couple boys. But they're white and fluffy. And they've been fixed. And they don't even know that they're boys. (laughs) I've I've seen every episode of Hannah Montana. <laughs> if you're going to be with the family, you've got to watch some chick thing, you know? I, I go to turn on anything. Okay, the golf. Everybody just gets up and leaves. It's like, it's like a plague or something. I'm there all by myself. Even the dogs will leave. <laughs> so anyhow, I bought, this, I bought this car. It was yellow, and it was a little Audi. I got an amazing deal on it, but I never looked inside because sometimes at the auctions, you don't have a lot of time to look things over. And I didn't see that it was a, it was a manual shift. Now, I didn't have any problem because my, my age dates me back enough to know that we all learned how to drive on a three on the tree or a four on the floor. Remember that? Okay, there were no automatics back then. You know, it was all, it was all manual shift. It was rear-wheel drive up there in upstate New York, you know, with all those winners there by Buffalo. We'd be rear-wheel drive up. We'd, we'd learn how to get up a hill and everything, you know? Today, people got four-wheel and, and all-wheel drives, and they can't go anywhere. They're in ditches. And I'm thinking, Really? Especially Oklahomans, there's two inches of snow. It's like, you're not going anywhere, you better do something else. So anyhow, here I got this really nice little car, and I brought it home, and I was so excited, but I did see that it was, you know, I thought I'd just have to teach her. And she looks in there, the first time she opened it, she looks and she goes, so what's that right there? I said, that's another pedal. It's called a clutch. She said, do I have to use it? And I thought that is, that's, that's a, great, a great question. Well, if you want to go anywhere, you do. And notice what this says. It says you must engage your spirit in the pursuit of worship. See, this is all going back to what? How we see things. Our perspective. Come on, let's, let's look at a couple of thoughts here because I know God wants to just share with us and help us to realize there's some really good things for us to get. All right, over here in John chapter 9, I want to read this real quickly. I'm watching my time and I want to be careful here. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out 
And this is the blind man that got healed. And he asked him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, point him out, sir, so that I can believe in him. And Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? What if we're looking at him right now? Would he ask us that same question? Do we recognize his voice? Notice what Jesus said in the message. I really like how it states this. The man said, Master, I believe. The man uh, worshipped him. And then Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear, so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. This is an amazing day that we're living in, folks. What an opportunity to experience God. Come on, I want to show you something else as we, as we close some of these thoughts down. John chapter 14, 17 to 21. In the Amplified. It says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him or recognize him. Let me share this one thought with you. It'll stick with you. There are approximately 720 hours in every month. If we gave you at least five hours a week for spiritual things, Five times four is 20. And what does that leave you? 700 hours to ask yourself the question, where am I putting my time, my energy, my thoughts, and my emotions? In what world am I making my decisions out of? The world of the spirit connected to God, the world of the flesh connected to the things of this life. Now, if it was a 700 to 20, Look at the over-imbalance. And what if those 700 represented more of, of our thoughts and our daily grind in the world versus our thoughts and experience with God? Because look at what it says. It says the world doesn't see him, doesn't know him, doesn't recognize him. So see, the more we find ourselves in the world, what will that do to our experience with God? You'll not see him as clearly. You'll not know him. And you'll not recognize him. This is my opinion, but the greatest deterrent to the anointing or hindrance to the anointing is a lack of recognition. Because God's there. God's here. Even the man that was let down through the roof, it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal all. How come all didn't get it? Because they didn't recognize it. Didn't recognize him, didn't recognize the power. But one man did. One man got something. The woman with the issue of blood, she touched him and power went out of him. So was there power in him? Oh, Absolutely. How come all the people that were touching him didn't get anything? Because they didn't recognize him. They didn't esteem him. They didn't know him. They didn't see him. See, the more of the world we are, the more it will cause our sight, our recognition, and our knowledge of God to become dim, 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 dim. Remember the old song? You could help me with it, some of you that are a little older. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now look at what was going dim in that verse. See, old time. Think about old time. Old time wasn't about vacations. Old time was about survival. It wasn't about 50 pairs of shoes with, with dresses and bling to go with it. How do you know that? 
I have to buy from my wife and my three girls. Hello. Amen. And I'm not real good. See, I can't, you know, I get, I get twitches if I'm in the, in the store too long. See, so I go into the store I know that is theirs. I look for the sharpest young lady that has clothes on, is wearing the clothes like I know I would want my girls to wear, what they would like. And I said, could you come help me? And she says, what do you want me to do? I say, here's a picture of my oldest one. This is her coloring. Can you help me to find something? I think I kind of like that. What do you think? And then she'll help me to pick it out. I said, this is my middle one, and this is my youngest one. And I go home with wonderful presents. They open them and say, Dad, this is awesome. You got this? I said, I did. I did. I really did. (laughs) And there's so much that you have to do. You can't even just get a shirt anymore. Amen. you got to get this thing that kind of looks somewhat like a shirt, but you can see through it that's the bottom layer, and it goes down real long. And then you get the actual shirt that goes on top of that. And then after you get the shirt that goes on top of that, you got to get some other lacy thing that's a little bit more baggy and kind of, you know, frills and stuff to go over top of that. Three things just, just to have a shirt. In my day, you just had a shirt. See, years ago, life was about survival. One pair of shoes. And you got another pair of shoes when you wore the first pair of shoes out. Two pair of pants. One was work pants. The second was church pants. Come on, folks. You go back far enough, you can see things were so simple. People weren't into all the things that we're into today. Come on, all the idea of the American dream. I know I love the idea of American dream that people can get ahead and everybody should be able to prosper in this country. And I certainly trust that this is the direction that we're going. But the idea that life is just about prosperity and about things will do nothing more than sidetrack you and keep you from experiencing God. Over in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says in the Message Bible that all the things of the world do nothing but isolate you from the Father. And this is the exact opposite of what we're trying to preach this morning, which is you can hear him, you can see him, you can know him. And this is what he's getting ready to say about you. I want you to see this before we close so that you don't think that what I've shared this morning is the negativity of the world and how it affects us only. I want you to see that God actually believes in you. He goes on to say, but you know and recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, Forlorn, helpless, I will come back to you just a little while now. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. And at that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my father. You are in me and I am in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him and will show Come on, the same words that Jesus used of his father will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. And in brackets it says, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and will make myself real to him. So for the next couple of minutes, there's some people here. Because I've seen some things this morning. And I'm practicing this. So you don't use the Bible anymore? Well, I don't know how anybody could get that kind of a thought. And I only said that to address that, to make sure no one thinks that that's what I'm saying. The Bible and everything in the Bible, the doctrine of the Bible, the theology of the Bible, the stories in the Bible, and what they bring me to should bring me to an experience with my God. And they should complement one another. Do you agree? What I'm trying to help us to do is to go beyond just having a scripture 
over into the experience of the scripture. To open your heart and your mind to the idea that God is not just a Bible. God is a real being, a real person. I didn't read to you, but you know, Jesus had a confrontation with the Pharisees and said in the message, Bob, you got your heads in your Bibles and you're actually looking for me. I stand before you, but you don't recognize. Now think about that. We're talking about people that that's all they did is study the Bible. And they must have studied it incorrectly because what they studied didn't translate into the experience of Jesus. Can he speak with you on a daily basis? Can he show you things every day? All right, somebody in here, in your digestive tract, you're having difficulty. You come on down here, God will minister to you, God will heal you. Amen. Somebody, as far as your spine is concerned, it kind of feels like, in a sense, like you got the proverbial weight on your back. And you need release in your spine. If that's you, and you're here this morning, you come on down. Come on, God's going to say a couple more things. How do you know that? Because we can be in tune with that voice. In tune with that voice. Once you get that radio station, you fine-tune it, then you can go ahead and take your hands off the dial and just enjoy the benefit of the station. Isn't that right? Why wouldn't God do some of these things? So somebody here, their ankles. Who's got a problem with your ankles? I just, did, you, did you hear that? I didn't hear that. Did you see it? I saw it. I saw somebody. A problem with your ankles, and especially on the outside of your ankle. Who is that in this room? Maybe it's an accident. Maybe it's something from a, a while back. Is that you, ma'am? Isn't that pretty cool? Well, how do you translate this into the way we live? Think about if God starts showing you stuff. And I'm not just talking about showing you things about other people. Showing you things about you. Do you know how amazing it is to be in the midst of taking the word of God and beginning to meditate that word concerning a difficulty you're having in your life and you're standing on that word and then because your ears and eyes are open like as if you lost your wallet or you lost your iPhone to hearing God be real, then he confirms that word or he shares something about what to do with the word. That's when things really start getting fun. When God starts to become more than just what you know. He becomes personal about you and your life. Every little experience you have, you mark it down on your belt, kind of like you notch it. I just heard from God it was accurate, which means what? You can hear more. And God's the God of more than enough. He's not El Cheapo, you know. So what do you mean by that? If God can show you one thing, Why wouldn't he show you more? Even that's what Jesus said. My father shows me all things. And oh, by the way, he's going to even show me greater things than these that you may marvel. What's he trying to say? He's constantly showing me things, revealing things to me. That's how I live. He said, I live off of seeing what he does and listening to what he says. And I'm just regurgitating what I hear him say and what I see him do. Did Jesus have success? Oh, my goodness. Constantly. Why? He stayed connected. God. Remember, how you do life is how you do faith. If your faith isn't working, it goes back to how you do life. What if you stayed connected on a regular basis? It would just work, wouldn't it? In the last six to eight months, I've begun to see my thoughts answered. Now that'll freak you out. What do you mean by that? You just have a thought and instantly you see something take place. Oh my God. Lord, I just thought that. 
how could God do that? Well, remember, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or, th- ask or think. Ask or think. In other words, the more connected you are, the more you allow God to be a part of your everyday happenings, the more you begin to swing the balance scale over to the 720 hours, you literally have God in your mind at all times. Or in other words, a word that we know from the past, you practice his presence. The more leeway you give him, and the more leeway you give him, the more he'll actually begin to live his life. Back back in the day, anybody remember F.F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer? You go to the 11th chapter, that's what it says. Now, I don't like the way that he put it, but he said, if you'll get enough of the life of God in you, it'll begin to live on its own. It'll begin to live on its own. Well, the part I don't like is if you get enough of the life of God in you. Because see, he's given us life and life more abundantly. Believe what he's saying is, if you begin to access the life of God, begin to fellowship with it, begin to work with it enough... Where you begin to build up this wonderful what? Kind of like something gaining momentum. Then that life will begin to live in you. And kill something that later could have been a problem that you would have had to pray about. But you don't have to pray about it because it's already fixed. Don't you know God knows what you need before you ask? And certainly we can ask. But the more connected you are, the more things just start disappearing that are wrong. And you find out you don't have to pray as much anymore because there's really not that much wrong. And that goes back to the Garden of Eden with Adam. Didn't have anything to pray about in the Garden. God fixed everything perfectly for him. As long as he was connected, it worked. The moment he was disconnected, well, that's actually the world that we've become way too familiar with, isn't it? At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.